Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. What's up out there? Today we're going to find out the road taken to becoming a successful Division I athletic director. My guest is just that, and currently serving his time and term at the University of Central Arkansas, an inductee to the Delta State University Athletic Hall of Fame, where he once flourished on the playing field as an athlete and most recently was inducted into the Alumni Hall there, and my alma mater as well. Please welcome Dr. Brad Teague. What's up, Brad? Hey, Steve. Excited about it too, Steve. I love your show. I appreciate that. All right, so look, let's talk about it. I, I want to talk about you growing up. You, you played baseball at Delta State. J- Delta State's always had this incredible baseball program. Take me back to growing up, first of all, as a, as a high school athlete. Uh, all the sports you sort of played – I think it sort of adds up to where you are now, uh, being able to serve all sports, you know, as an athletic director. But let's talk about high school. Yeah, I'm from Jackson. So I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, and I had an older brother, and he's three years older than me, and he went to Murrah High School, and then I was placed at St. Andrews in the seventh grade. And I always thought that I went to St. Andrews because I could play high school baseball in seventh grade. I really thought that was the the deal, but my parents, you know, certainly straightened that out for me and said, no, it's for their academic quality of the, the institution. But uh, I really thought it was to play baseball. But my brother was a big influence on me, uh, not just in sports, but in music as well, and you'll appreciate that. And so he always let me tag along with the older kids. We would play in the neighborhood. It was always baseball. It was basketball. It was football. Uh, we were doing that constantly you know, after school, on weekends, whatever it took. And then I really became better at baseball, you know, at a young age. And so I had a coach, a a summer league coach in Jackson that just mentored me and really put me on the right path and put me in the right places to be successful on the right teams. And so uh, certainly St. Andrews was a great baseball program in the summer leagues. I ended up playing for the Jackson 96ers for four years. I was on the junior 96ers at 15 and 16 and then on the big 96ers, 17 and 18 year old. And, I was not highly recruited. I mean, I really wanted to go to Mississippi State. I, I, I enjoyed watching their their great teams in the 80s, certainly right. Palmero and Clark, and that's where I wanted to go. And I, and I knew Ron Polk, and, and he 
certainly wanted me there, but he wanted me to walk on, and and I had too much pride to do that. <laughs> uh, I also was a big fan of LSU, and I, my high school coach had gone to LSU, and he knew Skip Berkman, and and uh, same deal. You know, you're welcome to come, but you got to walk on. And and again, pride took over. So uh, after the Mississippi High School All Star Game, I was MVP, 1988. Wow. And Hill Denson was the coach at Southern Miss, and he had offered me a scholarship after the game, and Delta State offered me a scholarship. And at the time, Boo Ferris was the head coach right. at Delta State. And, you know, weighed both options, liked them both. Um, Delta State was less expensive overall, and so that's why I chose Delta State. Um, obviously, uh, two great baseball programs, but uh, went to see Boo Ferris. He also sold me on on, on coming up there. What a What a gracious kind man mm-hmm. and he actually retired that same summer so i was his last high school signee and then he retired and so i never played for him i was signed by him but never played for him and and so glad that i made that decision to go to delta state what a great place as you well know of course i get to delta state and i'm doing fraternity rush and and who's playing at all the fraternity parties but steve azar that's right so <laughs> that's that's how I, I knew you and, and how our relationship began if I went there thinking it was temporary, I fell in love. And one of the reasons was I was able to start my really get my band going on a more consistent consistent level, and it gave right. me a, a stage. And they people supported me. And no matter how bad it was at the time, or how much fun we had, or what, how good it was, I don't even know. The bottom line was it was a breeding ground for me musically. There's my spill. So you come there. Boo Ferris was the greatest. He had no reason to remember my name, but he did. And he was like known for remembering people, remembering part, right? Pieces of their family. He'd ask about your mom and dad, but to a point where you'd go, how can he remember that? I mean, right? Did you experience that as well? Steve, no doubt. And everybody who knew him would experience that. And you just had to think he had a Rolodex at home that he studied every night. And there's just no way that he would know your name, your your spouse's name, your kids' names. He kept up with that. And he he was meticulous about writing thank you notes. And, and that's something I, I definitely learned from him, how important it is. And even in, in today's age, he, he didn't have – he wasn't involved in social media and email as much as we are now – but even now, for me, I think that a handwritten note means more than something that's easy like an email or, or a text. So he really instilled that in me um, at a young age, uh, how important it was. You know, if you did something well uh, in your sport, it didn't have to be just baseball. It was really any Delta State athlete. You were mm-hmm. going to get a copy of that Bolivar commercial <laughs> clipped out with a note, handwritten note from Boo Ferris to you in your mailbox. And, and uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, he was just such a great man. I mean, it's just really amazing. It just blows my mind to think about how he was that way for all of the students at Delta State. And obviously, as an athlete, you guys were closer to it. We're talking to athletic director of UCA, University of Central Arkansas, my wife Quinn's hometown, uh, at Brad Teague. Brad, let's talk about baseball, your days at Delta State. Obviously, you had a, a heck of a career, very successful to get to the point where you're inducted into the hall of fame take me through the four years uh were there any growing pains anything you had to get used to adapted to uh you know along the journey uh, of being an athlete there yeah i mean just like anybody would going through their athletics and and certainly going to college it it was new it was different uh i I had great mentors our head coach then who took over for boo ferris 
was a man named Bill Marchant, who is who has passed away now, and he was highly successful in Lufkin, Texas, and Meridian, Mississippi, as a high school coach, and he played at Delta State, and and Coach Ferris helped handpick him for for the job, and he he did a great job. Uh, but coming in as a freshman, you know, you you think you you have it all. You think you've had a great high school career, and you're just going to step right in. And and really through the first fall semester, uh, they were going to redshirt me. And and again, it was a prideful thing. I, I didn't want to be redshirted. I thought I was good enough to play. And th- th- there was an injury to one of the pitchers, and I was the next man up, so hmm. I did not get redshirted. Uh, looking back, though. It probably would have been better had I been redshirted because I ended up, you know, not getting that many innings as a freshman. Right. But uh, ended up two and zero. I did beat Northeast Louisiana. I remember it was a Division One team we played. That was my first win. I don't remember the second win, uh, but but got some good relief appearances. Got to play in some conference games. Uh, you know, got got roughed around a little bit with uh, being a freshman. You know, the the upperclassmen guys. Uh, especially in baseball, as, as you might imagine, there's just a lot of idle time in baseball. So there's a, a, a lot of uh, of upperclassmen who want to make it a little rough on on freshmen, and, and so got got a lot of that, and, and got to grow and mature, and, and that was good. My sophomore year, I ended up uh, something like six and zero. Then junior year, I was uh, number one pitcher, and, and was fortunate enough we had a really really good team. We were number one in the nation most of the year. I uh, ended up getting 13 wins and was a first-team All-American that year. And uh, it's because we had a great defense and a great offense. And, and so pitchers usually get a lot of wins when you have that. And we, we actually, that, that 1991 team was, was really a fabulous team. We had gone, we went to Troy State for the uh, Gulf South Conference Championship. And in, the Troy, in that championship, we had Jacksonville State, Troy State, North Alabama, and Delta State. And we won it. We won three straight games, beat Jacksonville twice, beat North Alabama in the middle of it. Troy State was eliminated, and we won the Gulf South Conference Championship. So what do we get for that? We get to host the regional, which is great, but we get to play those same teams again. So Jacksonville State and Troy State, it's a three-team regional in 1991, are sent to Cleveland, Mississippi, and it rains basically the whole weekend. It was just it was terrible. Um, Jacksonville State beat Troy State the first game. We played Troy State the second game and beat them. So now it's just down to two. It's really the best two out of three of those two teams. We had beaten Jacksonville State two in a row already. They beat us the first game. We beat them the second game. It goes to the the final game, and they beat us two to nothing uh, to to go to the World Series. And, by the way, they had been four years in a row and had won it a couple years, and that year they won the World Series. And the final game of the World Series, they won 20 to 5, and we'd beaten them three out of five <laughs> just a week five. prior. So <laughs> it, it was a good team. It was a lot of fun, and, and obviously Jacksonville State was great. But that, that that's really the the biggest memory I have is my junior year, that 1991 team. We had a couple All-Americans. We had just some great, great players and great people. Um, senior year, we, we had lost some key, key folks off of that um, 1991 team, and I ended up winning nine games and, and uh, was fortunate enough to set the all-time win record at Delta State, which has since been broken, of course. But um, it, it was fun. It was a good career. Met a lot of great people. Really grew up. Met my wife. Got a degree. Uh, got to work at, at Delta State after my baseball career. So Delta State means just so much to us. I love it. We're talking to Brad Teague. We're talking to Brad Teague with a frog in my throat. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We'll hop along and we'll be right back. In a 
a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We're with Athletic Director, former uh, Delta State University, now at University of Central Arkansas, where he's gone, traded his green in for the purple. And it's all right. It's a different shade, just a different shade. Uh, Brad, you talked about your baseball days uh, and how you flourished on the field. I, I mean, I remember uh, hearing so much about you. At this time, I'm probably in Nashville. What years were you there? You know, playing at Delta State were the springs of 89 to 92. Right. Right. So you were still, you know, in 88, 89, I think you were still I was, still around the yeah, Delta. I was. I was. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, in 91, I made my, my venture to Nashville. But, okay. So the, the difference, okay, first of all, as a player, did you get drafted? I mean, you're having this incredible career, and I know you had another game plan, uh, in, which led you to where you are today. But was there the draft? Was there the thought of attempting, you know, uh, playing Major League Baseball? You know, I, I would say any college baseball player wants to be drafted. You know, you want that to happen, and I was not drafted. You know, just simply I didn't throw hard enough, and I really wasn't good enough to play professional baseball. I still, you know, went. there was a tryout on campus. So I went, I think it was the Braves. I went and, and tried out and threw, and, and I think I hit 88 on the radar gun, but I was more of an, a mid-80s fastball pitcher, more location, you know, curveball, right. kind of used, used um, tried to fool hitters. So, uh, no, I, I was not drafted, and, and I had two elbow surgeries, and I knew, you know, it was time for me to find a, a new career. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you see that TV commercial all the time about, you know, all the ones that will get their education versus the ones that will actually – make it to the next level and it's just there's just the window is so small and the amount of people they get to jump through are fewer so you realize that education becomes a big part of your life uh after after my five years at delta state plus summer schools changing majors and all that i realized i could have never studied another moment but you chose to go and get your master's get your doctorate um the value of education for you to this point, was it an absolute necessity? Yeah, so I was a mathematics major for undergrad, and the reason I did that is because math was my best subject. But I had no idea what I wanted to do with a math degree. The only thing I knew you could do was teach math, and I didn't want to teach. So I started researching what I could do with a math degree, and you know, other than teaching, the only thing I really could figure out was an insurance actuary. Um, <laughs> getting an actuarial degree uh, and being a fellow in actuary and it was a long road long process and and that wasn't going to be for me so then yeah I decided I needed to get a master's in something that I could uh, utilize for my future my girlfriend now wife Gina Beach of of Tunica Mississippi Hmm. um, she suggested I get an administrative master's degree, and I did so there at Delta State. So after college, I started working in the alumni and foundation office at Delta State and did that for four years and got a master's degree in administration. Then my wife, Gina, was a speech pathologist, and Delta State didn't offer a master's degree in speech pathology, so she was accepted and went to Ole Miss. She commuted for a semester. It was just too much, so we decided to move there, and, I, and that's when she said, well, since we're going back to school, why don't you work on a doctorate and Ole Miss had a, a, a Ph.D. in higher educational leadership, so basically college administration, and it was perfect for me. 
um, was able to be a graduate assistant in their athletic program there for Pete Boone. I uh, did that a couple years, and then they hired me in their fundraising arm. At the time, it was called the Loyalty Foundation, and I worked there for five years. So essentially worked at Ole Miss Athletics for seven years. And then at age of 32, uh, Delta State's AD retired. I had my Ph.D., um, I thought it was a perfect time to come back to my alma mater, and I was fortunate enough to get, get that job uh, at Delta State. And uh, I was there from 2003 to 2007, great times. And, and then the, the UCA job, the Central Arkansas job, became available. And it was real intriguing because the, it was a, a school that was transitioning from Division two to Division one, and I, I wanted to be a part of that and right. lucky enough to get that job too. Did you have anything to do with the, the field being purple? I need to know. Or was it purple already? It's purple and gray stripes, but yes. Yeah, I came here in 2007, and and we installed that turf in 2011. The value of going from D2 to D1 as an athletic director, right? Uh, And and, and obviously the – the requirement of, I mean, it's a step, it's, it's a big step up, and you're you're having to probably travel to uh, some big programs to to make your mark, right? And just the going from uh, going from there to D one and having to sort of endure that process, what's it been like? Yeah, Steve, it was it was it was tough on everybody because in your four years of reclassification, which for us was 2007 to 2010 those four years you're you're not eligible for the playoffs so here you are especially in that first and second year you're recruiting student athletes and having to tell them you'll never play in the playoffs and and it was tough it was tough on everybody uh there's many other requirements as well but that's really the most public requirement is that you're not going to participate in the postseason and in your student athletes some of whom will be here all four years and never get the opportunity. Why, why is that, Brad? What's the rule there? What's, what's the yeah. thinking behind that? Well, so it's a four-year process. The NCAA wants to ensure that anyone who transitions can handle all aspects of being a Division One program. That's financial, that's in academics, and that's in rules compliance. Hmm. And so during that time, they also don't want teams to leave Division Two. So that there are many deterrents. Like now, it costs a million dollars. If you're a D2 team or D2 institution and you want to go to Division One, you have to pay a million dollars as a as a Division One fee. Wow. To get in. So there's deterrence, and, and certainly the four years is a long process. That's a deterrent. The, the not playing in the postseason is a big deterrent. And then there's just many audits throughout that your time of transition that you're you're having to prove that you can handle everything about being a Division One program. But teams still do it. Institutions still do it. I mean, it's it's worth the opportunity to have that brand, to have that publicity, to be nationally known as a Division One program. So we're certainly happy we did it, and certainly glad it's over. Yeah. So, so how many years into it are y'all right now? Yeah, 2010 was our first full active status as a Division One program. So we're, you know, eight years yeah. active and, and 12 years total Division One. I love it. So we're talking to Brad Teague, athletic director of University of Central Arkansas. Brad, when I first came to visit my wife it was back in uh in the fall of 88 and i remember coming in i call it sections of conway arkansas um i remember pulling the first section 
and my first exit. And I think at that time there were three. Now there's five or six, but because it's grown so much. Uh, and I remember passing all these ward bus. I, I saw every bus that was ever made in one field. And I went, what the heck is that? So I guess it was like, you know, it was harvesting time for, for yellow buses and before they got shipped out. So there was a zillion of them on the way to my wife Gwen's house. And I remember going like, what? what is that? So yeah. uh, the town itself, uh, obviously I've had my father-in-law, Charles Nabholz on and uh, the value of, you know, he's born and raised there and the construction company and just how they've helped uh, develop my brother-in-law, Greg, they've, they've all been all into Conway. You have three colleges there the whole time this is going on. And uh, I guess it's called the college of well, the, the town of the city of three colleges, city of or colleges, yeah. city of colleges. Yeah. Uh, the importance of having colleges in a city like Cleveland, the value a, a university like Central Arkansas going D1, we know it affects the town. Does it affect your university and the enrollment? Yeah. It, well, first of all, you mentioned two two great family names and two great cities. You know, the Nabholtz name here in Conway is huge. What a great company. And, and your father-in-law is a great man. You, and people know him. You've had him on your show. Yeah. Charles Nabholtz is the best. And then... Billy Nell in Cleveland, uh, the mayor of Cleveland, uh, a great person, great man. Uh, you can't forget his wife Becky Nell. No, that's well. a good she, point. <laughs> she is. <laughs> she's making things happen behind the scenes. And, yeah. and they had their Christmas tree and lights downtown this weekend, and had gosh, six thousand people uh, on their green strip in downtown Cleveland. That's pretty impressive. Uh, but yeah, Conway is a is an incredible city. It has grown so much since really since 1988 when when you're saying you first came through town you know we've got 70,000 people now in Conway you can get anything you want in wow. Conway but guess what if there's something more you need Little Rock's 22 miles away so it's just it's in a great location obviously right in the center of the state we've got access to great parks and, and great lakes and then then the uh, capital city is, is right down the road but Again, 70,000 people in Conway. We've got every restaurant, every retail, anything you'd want. And, and a lot of it has to do with having three colleges. There's no doubt about it. You know, the culture in this town is incredible. Uh, Central Arkansas has 13,000 students. Hendricks has over 1,000. Central Baptist College has right out 1,000. So the, all three contribute greatly to the economy here. Uh, certainly, you think around the country of, of great cities and great towns. Many of them do have a, have a college there. Uh, if you think about any town in the SEC, it's a great town. I mean, I think any Division One school in this country, institution in this country, has, has a great city. And we wanted our Division One move to be a great enhancement for this city and certainly for our campus. And we think it has been. Right. I love it. We're you know, talking to Brad Teague. Brad, you get to play DJ. Mississippi's birthplace of American music. So would you like to hear a little Faith Hill or Mose Allison? Well, I have to go with Faith Hill because my wife Gina sings, and she sings Faith Hill a lot. So let's do Faith. You got it. We're talking to Brad Teague, athletic director, Dr. Brad Teague, at the University of Central Arkansas. You're in Mississippi Minute. Let's hear a little Faith. You tell her life is hard. She says that's all right. Yeah. She's a wild
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're talking to Dr. Brad Teague, athletic director of University of Central Arkansas. Why I've spent so much time going to Conway, Arkansas. Why should it go from 25,000 people? Now Brad's telling me that there's 70,000 people, uh, and that's amazing. And I think the University of Central Arkansas, what you're doing there, just tell me your process of when you're evaluating coaches, not only when you're hiring them, but when you think it's time that maybe that uh, it's just time to go. I mean, how do you, how do you juggle all that? Being here 12 years now, obviously there's going to be some changes, and uh, there have been. Certainly some are f- because people are promoted and, and find jobs at, at you know, bigger institutions and bigger Division One institutions. Uh, but sometimes you just have to make a change and uh, because things just aren't working out. And, and most people think, well, that's the wins and loss record, and, and that's, you know, that's one of the factors. Um, I, I actually <laughs> I think of it on seven different levels. And for me, it starts with recruiting. You know, what kind of student are you bringing to our campus? Uh, you know, what kind of character do they have? What's their aptitude for academic work? And uh, so first it starts with recruiting, and then uh, that leads right to academics and athletics. So the next two and three are how successful are we academically and then how successful are we athletically. Recruiting matters on both fronts, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it rolls into me just administrative duties. You know, you've got to handle your budget. You've got to take care of, of many things, ordering uniforms, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, how well do you do administratively? Uh, fifth is following the rules. Are you, are you compliant with the NCA rules? You know, are you getting all of your paperwork done? Uh, sixth would be publicity. You know, how, how good are you at PR? What what do you mean for our brand? Uh, then seventh is is student athlete well being. You know, that's really what it's all about. How how well do you take care of the student athletes? And then I look at all seven of those different factors, and if six of them are great and the wins and loss records not, you know, you may get another another year to to try to turn that around. Uh, but if if half of those things are not in good shape and the win loss record is bad, then it's it's time to go. To, you know, time to find something else to do. So that's that's really how I look at it. And, and certainly, there's other uh, tangible and non tangible items that that come into play. And and the biggest thing for me is if the change needs to be made, there's no reason to delay the inevitable. Let's get it done and let's move on. And most of the time, I mean, these get, these folks are coaches. They're professionals. They know that's the business. Hey, so let's talk about. What you have to deal with now, being D1, you've had eight years under your belt, you've gone through the million dollars, you've gone through, uh, you got that done, and you've, you've gone through all these audits, as you call them, and now you're up and running, you're on the road playing big big schools through having eight years under your belt. Do you feel like like you rate yourself one to ten? Where are you? You know, we this institution's been competitive for 100 years. You know, they have quite the tradition in sports here, and my job is just not to mess it up. So uh, being in Division One, we like to play in football every year one uh, big game, which we call guarantee games, where we travel somewhere and they pay us a lot of money, and, and uh, you know, you hope to be competitive. And we have been. You know, we played actually at Ole Miss in, in 2012, and we're winning at the half. Uh, ended up losing pretty good, but we were competitive. Uh, so every year we'll play somebody. This year we played Tulsa, and uh, we were winning in the fourth quarter and uh, had a couple you know, issues go the other way and, and lost at Tulsa. But uh, we always 
want to make sure we, we play a team who is in proximity to our campus so that we can drive to the game and not spend all that money on an air flight. And then we want to make sure we're, we're certainly competitive. Uh, in basketball, we play a lot of guarantee games. We play five or six a year. Uh, you know, we'll play this year at Pittsburgh, at St. Louis, at Oklahoma State. We'll play at Indiana. Wow. We'll play it at Louisville. So those are some, some big games that our men's basketball team will play. And then the women's team plays a few themselves, Texas A&M, um, Texas Tech. Those, those are the type of games that we'll play. Uh, however, Arkansas will not play us. Uh, in fact, until just this year, they, don't, they haven't played anyone in the state ever unless it was a postseason game that the NCAA put <laughs> <Yeah>. together. <laughs> so they've never played anybody. But this year, their new athletic director – and I'm sure many others have decided they're going to start playing their system schools. And so in their system, the Division One schools are the University of Arkansas at Little Rock and the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. So they actually played Arkansas-Little Rock in baseball this fall. They're going to play them again in the spring in a real contest. Uh, and I, I'm assuming more sports will follow. So uh, good for Arkansas for doing that. I, I think the, the rest of us, Arkansas State and the University of Central Arkansas, will follow in the years to come. But uh, my guess is for the next five years or so, they're just going to play their system schools. Now, however, University of C- Central Arkansas can play the other Division One schools, and we do. We play Arkansas State, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and then we just initiated a series. It's called the Governor's I-40 Showdown between Central Arkansas and Arkansas Little Rock and where we'll play each other in every single sport we mutually sponsor. And so we have 18 sports, they have 15 sports, and we mutually sponsor 12. So we're going to have 18 contests this year that accumulates up to 48 points. And uh, at the end of the year, we play a baseball game at the professional park in Little Rock. Our last contest of the year will be that baseball game, and we'll give the trophy out then. So that is that's great. a lot of fun. I love it. Okay, so what about signature wins? When when you moved over, and uh, and you were in the middle of uh, of the chaos of four years of of juggling all that and trying to compete. Where was your signature win? Did you have any in that stretch, or did it take? It was it the next last four years where once you got to know that you could be in a postseason, uh, know that you could you know can you could help your recruiting and your co- obviously help your coaches, help your fan base. When did your signature win start? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, in our first four years, so now we're really twelve years into Division One, but that first four years when we're on probation, our second year we won the football championship. So that was really the the, the big signature win. We went wow. ten and two. We were six and one in the conference. We beat the team that was five and two. We were six and one. They were five and two. Beat them head to head. Yet they got to have the conference championship since we were not eligible. So to see that that's that was yeah. a huge issue. But we were also very proud of it. We they got rings. The conference bought them rings. They got the trophy. That ain't right. I know. But that's that's just. I got issues now. I got issues. <laughs> the prospect of of going Division One during that reclassification time. But but think about that. Our second year, yeah. we win the league, and we like to say outside of North Dakota State, we probably have been the most successful transitioning school from D two to D one. And again, that's because of the tradition of UCA over a hundred years of athletics. So um, proud of that. So that that's really what what propelled us you know early on and then our volleyball program has been extremely good so we've been to the ncaa championship in in volleyball men's soccer women's basketball football 
baseball. Gosh, that, that, there's one. In 2013, we go to Mississippi State for the regional. Now, in 2013, Mississippi State loses to UCLA in the championship in the World Series. Right. Yet we, we beat them that year. We beat them four times, and they beat us twice. So in the regular season, we uh, we go to Starkville. Actually, we win twice there. So we win two out of three in Starkville in the regular season. And then in the regional, we open up with Mississippi State. They beat us. We come back through the loser's bracket and beat them to force a deciding game, wow. in which they beat us in that deciding game to go to the Super Regionals. So that was a lot of fun, too, to, to come in, you know, really – a few outs away of making a super regional and beating Mississippi State in Starville uh, was a lot of fun in 2013. So uh, those kind of wins. And then in 2016, uh, we play Arkansas State in football. They have won, five, at this point, five conference championships in a row. And in 2016, they win their conference championship but lose to UCA in football. So that was fun in our state to, to beat Arkansas State head-to-head. And uh, we'll play them again in 2021. So we, we try to get them on the schedule every few years. Okay, your competitive juices, just listening to you talking earlier, talking about you wanted to play at Mississippi State, you wanted to play at LSU. All of a sudden you're an athletic director now, and you're getting – you obviously got to compete against State playing at Delta State, correct? Right. We, we played right. them. Okay, so now you're an athletic director. Just the juices that flow yeah, as, yeah. as an athletic director, what do they feel like in comparison to, to being the actual athlete on the field? Yeah, what a coincidence that, that our team – from Central Arkansas is playing at the place that I've played and where I wanted to play my career uh, against just a hallowed ground. I mean, Boo Ferris played there, you know, my college coach. And his, right. his posters up on the wall, as well as Palmero Clark and Thigpen and Brantley and, and many of their other greats uh, throughout time, Pete Young. You know, I, I played against Pete Young and Burt Masters and Tommy Raffo. Uh, you know, in fact, we, we we played a doubleheader over there. It's probably 1990, 1991, somewhere in there. And we're ahead 8-4 to four in the eighth inning. They come back and tie it up, and it goes 15 innings. So we've spent all of our pitching. It's all gone now. So we're playing a doubleheader. And in the second game, Raffo hits four home runs. They beat us 20-2, to two, something <laughs> like that. So uh, we, we he was in a slump until that point, so he can thank us for getting yeah, him back yeah. on track. But, yeah, I know it was, it was surreal, basically, to, to be there, uh, to be in, at a regional in Starkville. You know, I'd been there as a young man or young boy uh, to a regional. I remember seeing Ben McDonald pitch against Mississippi State when he was at LSU. So just a lot of good memories, and it was a lot of fun, no doubt about it. I love it. We're talking to Dr. Brad Teague, head athletic director of the University of Central Arkansas. You're in a Mississippi Minute. It's rolling by. He understands the Mississippi Minute because he grew up on these hollow grounds in Jackson, Mississippi. We're going to be right back. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar with Dr. Brad Teague, University of Central Arkansas, all things athletic director and beyond. He's a pal of mine, by the way, and I, I love, I love uh, hearing him talk sports. Um, it just, it's in his, it's in his DNA, and uh, he served well, he served us all well his time in Mississippi you never know we may get him back but for right now he's across the bridge and we have to deal with it and we have to compete against it uh your your ability 
as somebody youthful. You you were an athletic director. How when you got the gig, the full you know the, the head guy. The head guy at thirty two. Okay, so I, I like that, and I'm I'm thinking with social media now, right? And you understanding social media a lot more so than somebody that's fifty two or sixty two. Do you feel like you got a little bit of a heads up and because you understand its value in recruiting and fan base and everything that has to do and also how you control it with your players? Well, the coaches and then players, coaches' wives. I mean, we see it all the time. So I guess it's a twofold question. Yeah, great question. So um, we see it with our president too, don't we? So the uh, – Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have – 80 friends who are older than me who are, are great on social media. But certainly uh, they're, they're, the older generation may not understand it as well as the younger, and that's that's probably majority true. Um, but, yeah, it, there's no doubt there's value. And, and really for me, I never, ever tweet anything personal. Anything I tweet is professional uh, and having to do with my job. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's just my stance on it. I just want to make sure I'm promoting my institution, where I am, and our programs, and and our student athletes. And and absolutely, you're right. It's huge in recruiting because every single prospect out there, anyone who ever wants to go to UCA, is looking to see what the AD, the coach, the president, what's going on on the on the main Twitter feed for the for the campus and the athletic program. They're looking at all of that, and it matters. And and you better be selling your story and, and making these folks, these young men and women out in high school want to be on your campus. And, and I think about that when I tweet. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm saying it correctly and, and really promoting our great young men and women in our programs. How do you control – well, okay, I'll tell you what. How do you – you know, you, you, there's so many high school kids, and they don't have the experience and the knowledge uh, and time spent that you have. So when you're looking at an athlete and you look back at tweets and you look back at – I mean, is that an evaluation that a coach makes now at University of Central Arkansas or anywhere that uh, a type of player they want? Because we both know that um, th- there's you, – you, you can sort of understand the psyche and the emotional aspects of a kid growing up by just how they tweet. Uh, you know, do, do you guys look at all that? Yeah, absolutely, and and it matters. You know, we 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 want character kids, and we say this all the time: character beats talent every day of the week, and wow. it is so true. Absolutely works. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm not evaluating the the high school students who who want to who are our prospects, but our coaches certainly are. Now, do they spend hours and hours on social media? No. But they're talking to their high school coaches. They're talking to guidance counselors. They're looking at their Twitter feed just to see if there's, you know, anything unusual out there. And, and, and again, you could have the most talented kids in the world, but if they're not good teammates, which means have good character, then you're not going to have a successful program. So it matters to us. Okay, we're talking to Dr. Brad Teague, and we're on the downside of a Mississippi Minute. Mississippi Minute was basically created right where his uh, – his, the epicenter is probably right where he grew up on his street in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> hey, Brad. I doubt it. <laughs> Brad, uh, the future. As you set goals, how far in advance do you look? And are, are they uh, in compartments versus like, okay, I got a year goal. I've got three. I got five. I mean, how do you, yeah. a, as you grow the brand of the University of Central Arkansas Athletics, um, how do you do it? Yeah, for sure. So short-term, long-term goals, we look one year 
five years and ten years, and, and what do we want to look like in that time? And, and most recently, we added beach volleyball, women's beach volleyball, to our program because of our goals of, of a few years back of needing to comply with Title IX and needing to bring uh, what we already had was a great, successful indoor volleyball program. We knew that we could add young women that would be similar to, to these young women who would be great students, great student athletes, and great people. And so so we did that based on our plan, our strategic plan, uh, which was a, a one-year, five-year, and ten-year goal. And, and we certainly have them now um, in every sport. So we, we look at each sport, we look at our administrative program, and we want to make sure that in five years that we look successful. And that's not just on the field, but that's in so many other aspects of a program. And we want to be that total great Division One program. So it matters to us. You know, we, we begin with uh, really three main p- principles, and that's to have a great student-athlete experience, have an exceptional fan and donor experience, and right. then a, a perfect image for our program. And, and that's something that anytime we do anything, we want to make sure that we hit one or more of those three principles. The end result, these kids are taking their athletic ability and using it in the workforce later for the ones that don't go pro. And I, your value as an athletic director extends throughout their life. And I, I just I appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to spend a Mississippi Minute with me. Uh, hugs to Gina. Gwenson's love, and uh, and I'll see you, I'm sure, sooner than, than you want to see me. <laughs> I hope so, Steve. I, I really appreciate you having me on. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate it. We've been Dr. Brad Teague. We have been in a Mississippi Minute on Super Talk. We'll talk to you later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. It's easier than ever to hear Super Talk anywhere. Now you can get Super Talk Mississippi on Amazon Alexa devices. Just go to supertalk.fm slash Alexa to find out more. For news, politics, sports, and the good things happening in Mississippi, the conversation starts here. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.